Thank you, Shalini. Thank you, music team. It's such a powerful testimony, isn't it? Where God sets us free from insecurity. You know, because we've wonderful testimony, Shalini, because we all at some point struggle with insecurity. And, you know, God's love gives us that grounding, which is something I'm going to talk about today anyway. But we, why don't we start with, I'll just introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jensen and I'm, um, I'm a medical doctor by trade uh, and uh, a father of three in the evening. Um, actually, I'm supposed to be a father all the time. But, uh, and uh, and Sharon, Sh- my beautiful wife, tells me, oh, you check out in the evening. Uh, yeah, there's no clocking and clock out in parenting. Uh, but yeah, uh, parenting is a wonderful journey that gives you lots of gray hairs and uh, lots of joys. Uh, gives me an excuse to try to maintain young by cutting my hair on the sides and so I don't reveal the gray hairs. Um, so it's, uh, we, we've been in Lincoln for like six years now. Uh, we are so proud to call One Heart Church our home church. And uh, it's so good to be part of a family of God. Um, I know that every church is slightly different and no church is perfect because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. None of our leaders are perfect. But we know that Jesus is perfect. Yeah, sorry to break it to you, Josh. So, <laughs> um, so it, but the wonderful thing that brings us together is our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, today, I will really want to talk about a topic that I think a lot of us think about, a lot of us experience, and a lot of us have to deal with it at some point in our lives. Uh, I have to deal with my fear of public speaking. Yeah, I know, I'm a timid boy. Don't worry. I don't look like it, but I am. I have to struggle with timidity and fear. And I'm sure most of us here would have to struggle with our own fears. Um, and so I want to talk about dissecting fear. I like to use the word dissecting because when you dissect something, and the, uh, the best example I can give you is when I was growing up in Malaysia as well. So you got a Mal- double Malaysian dose today. Uh, I promise you that my, my message will not be spicy. Uh, uh, it's digestible. <laughs> um, but the, growing up in Malaysia in, in school, uh, I love biology class because you get to grab a frog, you pin the frog down, and you get a scalpel and you cut up the frog and see the heart beating and all this sort of stuff. I know it will not pass the RSPCA standards nowadays, but, you know, that's Malaysia, all right? And, um, you know, it, but it was good to do dissection because I know how things work. In the same way, we actually need to know what fear is. We need to dissect fear to reveal it inside out so that we know how to deal with it, all right? There's no, it's not, you don't achieve much by just oh, knowing I have fear, but not knowing what it does and how it comes from or how it sort of works in your circumstances. So let's start with just defining fear. What is fear? Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. That's the dictionary definition of fear. But it's a good definition because fear is an emotion. Fear is not fact. So I need to tell you now that fear is an emotion. And how many of you know that emotions cannot be trusted? Right? Uh, emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. So the level of perceived danger 
or the level of perceived pain or harm will influence how great your fear is. So if I jump off a two meter high plank, I have a bit of fear, or maybe I'll scratch myself, or maybe I'll look silly, I'll look like a stupid, stupid boy. But uh, that's different with the fear of, I'm gonna jump off a 10 story building. Uh, you know what kind of fear you should, I hope that you feel very fearful. And I hope that you don't do that because you're not just gonna lose a limb or an arm, right? Um, so how do we develop all these fears? We develop it as we go on in life. You wanna know who's the most fearless person? You look at your one-year-old, look at your two-year-old, they know no fear. They will run into the fire, they will run into the water, they don't, they don't know the dangers. But then as we grow up, we learn to realize that there are some things that are truly a threat. If there is a bushfire, please don't run to it, right? If, if, there, if you jump in the middle of the ocean and you do not have the skills to swim, please don't do it. Right? So we develop fears through observation of others and our own personal experience. Today, I want to talk about the fear that actually is unhealthy. There is a healthy fear and there is an unhealthy fear. The, uh, the healthy fear is, you've you got to have some fear of the natural things in life, right? If you see a venomous snake, please, if you don't know how to kill it, just run away. Just, you know, if you see, if you, like, like I said, um, Healthy fear, I'll tell you what healthy fear is. In the word of God, it also says fear God. That doesn't mean we need to be scared of God. That word fear is actually a word reverence. Reverence means respect. So we have to have a bit of respect for the authority of God. We need to have a bit of respect for the laws of gravity. We need to have a bit of respect for the law when there is fire and you know you'll be burnt. And if you don't have the right flotation device, you will sink into the ocean, all right? That is a healthy fear, right? I'm talking about the unhealthy fear that a lot of us, including myself, that we have to deal with, that many times paralyzes us, that many times stops us from moving forward in our walk with God. And even in our own lives, we know that we all have our own giants to fight. We have our own struggles. And many times God has told us uh, to move on conquer this, but we step back because of fear. And today we need to talk about what fear does to us and the keys to overcome the fear. Do you know that fear actually is one of the first few emotions that was described when Adam and Eve fell from grace? You know that in, in the book of Genesis, when they are Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, uh, they ate the forbidden fruit, their eyes were open and they felt shame, and they hid. One of the first few things that sinned us when it enters into the world, it brought shame. It brought guilt as a result, and it brought fear. Shame, guilt, and fear came about from the fall of man. And you can see throughout history that we all struggle with fear. In fact, you know, even through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, every single character and even every single heroes of the Bible still struggle with fear. We look at our own Anzac soldiers that we're going to celebrate Anzac Day soon. We look at all our soldiers who committed, you know, brave acts, fearless acts. They have to deal with fear. I, we need to debunk the myth where 
you know, we see a fearless, we call a person fearless, doesn't mean that they don't struggle with fear. The act is fearless, but fear is an emotion and every fearless person had to deal with the, with the emotion of fear. And the Bible has been very clear and even God has been very clear that he wants us to overcome our fear. I want to bring us to the main scripture for today. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is a personal letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who is one of his protege. He's one of his young pastors that he left to look after a church in, in the province of Asia. Know that the book of 2 Timothy is the last, arguably the last letter that Paul wrote. Paul was in prison during this time and he was about to be executed. He was about to be executed by the Emperor Nero. And you know that if you only got one chance to write the one last letter to your protege, what are you going to say? So the book of 2 Timothy is such a great book because the Apostle Paul just reaffirms Timothy, like Timothy fan the flame, fan the gift that God has given you. And then he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. If you can imagine, if you were Timothy, do you know that the first century church is, uh, endured much persecution? So if you are a pastor or a church leader in the first century, you are pretty much being seen as a pariah, as a outsider, as, you know, as a rebel. Because during the time of the first century, it was the great Roman Empire. And in the Roman Empire, they practiced emperor worship. And if you do not worship the emperor, if you do not adapt the culture of Rome, which is hedonistic mainly, you are going to be persecuted. And do you know that the first century Christians are not allowed jobs? Do you know when they put a job application, they will be rejected? because they are Christian, they call them the followers of the way. And so Timothy as a church pastor had to endure persecution from the authorities. He also had to endure a lot of division among the, the Christians because the Jews are trying to advocate following certain Jewish laws. And he also had to deal with people within his congregation that wants to adapt the Roman culture and bring in pretty much immorality into the church. Can you imagine the amount of pressure that you're on as a leader during that time that you got, you're being persecuted and you're being challenged on every side? But the Apostle Paul reminded Timothy that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. I love the way Paul puts it because by saying that, he's actually given us the three things that fear does, and the three keys to overcome it. But I will start off as saying that definitely fear doesn't come from God, right? So because God has not given us that. And I want to tell you what fear does to us. Number one, fear makes us weak. You know the term, paralyzed by fear. You want to do this, you want to step up because you know it's right, but fear held you back. I've been through it many times. Uh, how many times has, if God has prompted you to say something to that somebody or, or, or uh, share the good news to 
a particular person and you, you held back because, oh no, I, I fear that this person's going to reject me. You know, well, fear makes us weak. Number two, fear makes us insecure and selfish. When we are fearful, all we are going to look at is ourselves. Self-preservation takes over and you don't care about what other people about. It's me, myself, and I. I've got to look after my little trinity, <laughs> right? Um, this, I, I cannot explain it better than when you look at catastrophes. You know, when you have a big earthquake or even during the whole COVID-19 pandemic, how people are holding toilet paper and robbing each other's toilet paper and buying heaps of toilet paper and reselling it, right? You know, it, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? But that's what fear does to you. Fear makes us insecure, and as a result, we become selfish. As well, and that leads to the third point, fear makes us reckless. We make really silly decisions when we are fearful. Fear makes us stupid. Yes. Yeah. Have you met, can you imagine, I can, I can remember a few times when I'm really, really scared. I make really stupid, impulsive decisions. So, fear makes us weak, insecure, and reckless. But, but, God has given us the keys to overcome it. And I'm going to share with you the first key. Where fear makes us weak, we can trust God's power. This is the most important thing that you and I can fall back on. It is not about how skillful we are or how good we are, or how powerful or weak we are. It's about this power that God has given to you and I. When we choose to follow Him, and when we choose to let Him come into our lives, He's given us the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, where you heard this scripture preached many times on our church pulpit, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you know that the word power that the Apostle Paul used in our main scripture today it comes from the Greek word dunamis. I do not know whether I pronounced it properly or not, but it's dunamis, which is the miraculous power, the overwhelming power, the insurmountable power that... Raise Jesus from the dead. That same power lives in you and I. And when we face our fears, we can look at fear in the eye and say, I actually have the power of God that will overcome this. It's a matter of us receiving it and let it sink deep into our spirit that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive power. And why did God give us this power? Is it so that we can show off? Is it so that we can, you know, look good? No. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, so that you will be my witness. So God has given us the power so that we can witness to others about the power of God, the salvation that comes through believing in Jesus Christ. So this is the power that is in you and I. So no matter what fears you have, you know that God has given us this power. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 Paul was actually very, very vulnerable in this passage of Scripture because this is the passage of Scripture where he talks about the thorn in his flesh. He talks about a weakness that he is actually struggling with. He doesn't give us the details, 
but he did say that he's actually struggling. And every time he asked God to take away this thorn in the flesh, he says, my grace is all you need. It means God telling Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. So can we boast in our weakness because we are trusting that God will give us the power to overcome? God's power gives us confidence. And you can declare confidence over your fear today because God has given us the power to do so. The second key I want to uh, share with you is love. God has given us a spirit of love because love comes from God. Do you know that when Jesus was... Uh, doing the Last Supper with his disciples, he gave them the commandment, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. Do you know that Jesus never leveraged his divinity on, on his power? He never leveraged his divinity on his eloquent words or his theology. He leveraged his divinity on his love. And this is the love that 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, the Apostle John, which is the Apostle of love. Uh, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. So I want to ask each and every one of us, including myself, where do you see God's love working in your life? Would you be willing to accept God's love in its entirety and not about our received part of your love? Because when we receive God's love, we will have absolute total security. Because when we can, we can face the fires and the fears of life, God's love will, keeps us, will keep our feet level. We'll have a level head. We, are, we know that no matter what happens, we know that God is always faithful. That He will never leave us nor forsake us. Do you know that fear thrives on the what ifs? What if I fall? What if I make a fool out of myself? What if I lose all my friends? But do you know that when you are secure in God's love, you will not speak the language of what ifs anymore. You're going to say the language of even if. That even if I fall, even if things don't work out, I know that my God will give me strength. I know that my God will put me in this place of security. So is your security in God's love or in the love of others? I urge you today that replant our lives on God's love. And we can say, even if life doesn't work out, even if my fear is overwhelming, I know that God, my God will never forsake me. The third thing that the Apostle Paul has written in that passage of Scripture is the spirit of self-discipline. Discipline is not cool, all right? I don't like to talk about discipline, but we have to talk about discipline. Where power and love comes totally from God, self-discipline requires a partnership. Because God can, you can say, God, I'm going to be disciplined, but you, do not move a, you don't move a limb. That's not discipline. In fact, when we walk with God, we need to walk according to God's discipline. We, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 8, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. So you and I are called to walk and to train ourselves towards godliness. Does that mean we're going to be like a monk? Is that going to be we live in a monastery? No. It's just pretty much God wants to take us on a journey so that we can be transformed to be more like Christ. Um, and I love this scripture where it says, there is benefit in this life 
and the life to come. So discipline is important. Now, where do we start, if you ask? It starts with our mind. Because our mind is the most difficult part of our body to discipline. I can tell you that in, in, a, in a span of five minutes, my mind will wander. My mind will tell me all sorts of funny things. How do we discipline our mind? Because if we discipline our mind, our actions will follow. And the results will be great. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So who is controlling our minds today? We need to ask ourselves this question. And if not, we need to do what uh, Paul wrote in Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We need to change the way we think because it starts with the mind, disciplining our mind. And then we will learn to know what God's will is for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When we discipline our mind, we will develop the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And the word self-discipline, if you look at another translation, such as the NIV, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. So if you look up the word, what the word sound mind means in scriptures, it actually means, number one, self-control, and number two, moderation. All right, so what is this moderation? You mean that I always walk the middle line? No, moderation pretty much means that you do not go extremes, that we cannot move into an extreme where it looks just weird. Do you know that we, God has called each of us to be relevant to our societies? He has called each, of, each and every one of us to be a blessing to our communities, and we cannot do that if we are not moderated, right? Because if you are in the extreme, you're just a whack job. You're just a nutter, a weirdo, and you are no good. Because the, the society cannot identify with you. Right? But then on the other side, if we do, not, uh, op, we do not allow God's spirit to work in us and we are so carnal, then what good is that? We don't achieve anything. You heard the saying that uh, some of us are so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. But that's also the same thing I can say. Some of us are so earthly minded that we are not heavenly good. So letting the Holy Spirit discipline our minds will allow us to walk that path of moderation where we can still have the power of the Holy Spirit yet be relevant to our society. And how do we, how do we start on the journey of discipline? Three Ps. When God gives us a, a vision, we need to start planning. When God says you need to overcome this fear because it's stopping you, we need to start planning. All right, planning takes effort. And you and I need to start planning. You and I need to prepare. And lastly, we need to persevere. The three Ps. Plan, prepare, and persevere. And some of us, do you know that there's nothing wrong when you're facing your fear, that you can actually get help, that you can actually plan. It's part of planning. It's part of preparing. It doesn't mean you trust God less. It's like, if I struggle with this mental health issue, I need to seek help. I need to see a psychologist. I need to get this sorted. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you trust God less, but it shows that you are disciplined, that you are showing self-discipline and allowing God for you to help you plan, prepare, and when the going gets tough, you persevere. 
self-discipline ushers in the breakthrough that God desires for us. So, to sum it up, where fear produces weakness, God gives us confidence through his power. Where, faith, uh, where fear produces selfishness through insecurity, we can be secured through God's love. Where fear breeds recklessness and impulsiveness, we get breakthrough through the Holy Spirit-led discipline. Do you know that Jesus is the most perfect example of a life that, that, that is fearless? Because Jesus, number one, always had confidence in God's power. Number two, Jesus always did everything in love. And Jesus is the most disciplined person that you could ever see because from day one, he was planning to redeem us. And you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, oh God, if this is, if it's not your will, let this cup pass from me because he can see that the challenge is so great. But he persevered. He planned, he prepared, and he persevered because he saw that the end result of seeing you and I standing here being saved is greater than the price of the cross. So we need to plan. We need to prepare and persevere just like our Savior. We need to have God's power and love and a sound mind. How does this tie in together? Like, where do I start? Yes, I want to have all of these. Friends, it just starts with faith. It just starts with, I'm going to put my trust and my faith back in Jesus and not on my formulas and not on my own intellect, not on uh, the things I heard or see or, or what I've experienced. It's just putting back our faith in Jesus Christ. Pastor Jimmy preached a great message about fear versus faith two weeks ago. And I encourage you to, to listen to that. But it's all about faith, man. It's all about faith because without faith, we cannot please God. And anyone who comes to God must believe that God exists and He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. So we need to put our faith back in Christ and in His power. It is not about how much faith I have. It's about who I put my faith in. I, I, give, you this, I give you this analogy. Um, you know, oh, it's, oh, it's so hard for me to trust God. Uh, oh, it's so hard for me to put my faith in God because everything is so overwhelming. I get it. But I'll give you an example. When you step into an aeroplane, do you actually uh, have a look in the cockpit? Uh, can I know who's my pilot today? Uh, how many years of flying has he had? Can I see his CV, please? Did he have a drink? Was he in a party? Did he do drugs? Uh, has he checked the plane properly? No. Most of us just walk inside, sit down, put our seatbelt, and off we go. And all we ever hear from the pilot was five seconds halfway. Say, oh, we are cruising another altitude, and we're just going to arrive at we're going to arrive ahead of schedule. And that's all you're going to hear. Yeah. But you know that God is the best pilot of all because He's given us everything. He told us who He is. He told, he told us that he has done the biggest flying ever. He's gone through death and back. You know, and he is able to take us to the destination. So if you can have faith in a pilot that you hardly know at all, you can put your faith in Christ. Yeah. So it starts with just putting our faith back in Jesus Christ. And you know it's this simple. It is almost as simple as press, pressing subscribe in YouTube, following somebody in Twitter. You know, but this one involves us putting our lives to follow Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you as I invite the music team up. 
that if you never put your faith in Jesus Christ, He is the best thing that will ever happen to your life because I can ditch all the theology aside. I can ditch all, all intellect or strategies and plans or formulas. I want to introduce only to the person of Jesus Christ because He is the only thing. He, he is the rock and the cornerstone of my faith and your faith too. For those of us who follow Him, if you've never met Jesus before, He is here. And He wants to come and walk with you. He wants to take you on this journey where, yes, you will still face your fears. You will still have trouble in this life. But you know that we have a God that will never leave us. The God that will always give us the power. He will always have His love for us. And He has given us the mind by transforming us through the power of the Holy Spirit to get us to where He wants us to go. So if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer after me. And there is nothing magical in this prayer. All right? It's just as simple as I'm introducing Pastor Kylie to you. Uh, hello, this is Pastor Kylie. And um, oh, oh, nice to meet you. Uh, can I follow you? I know that sounds a bit freaky, but you know, but you know what I mean. It's, it's just having a conversation, all right? There is no magic formula. Um, it is just a starting point, you know, like a conversation starter, you know? So this is a conversation starter that you need to have with God when you pray this prayer together and watch God do something with your life. When you are ready, shall we pray this together? Let's go. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. I believe that you are the only way, the truth, and the life. Please forgive me of my sins. I ask that you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I place my faith in you and I thank you for transforming me into a new person through the power of your Holy Spirit. I entrust my life and future into your hands. I ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And if you pray this prayer for the first time or you prayed it and you meant it the first time after many years, can I tell you on the authority of the Word of God that Jesus has come into your life, that Jesus has begun the process of transforming you and I into a new person and that we can face every fear and we know that we have the keys to overcome it. I also want to pray for the rest of us who we've been journeying with God for a while, but somehow we find ourselves paralyzed by our own fears. I'm in the same boat, my friends, and we all have to deal with it. But today I want to remind us of that immense power, the greatness of the love of Jesus and the self-discipline that He is encouraging us to embark with, with the help of His Holy Spirit so that God can take us and use us mightily in these last days. And if that is you and you say, God, I want that power. I know that I haven't operated in that power, but I want it today. And, oh God, I, I have become so insecure, but I'm coming back to your love again. Oh my God, maybe I need to start that process of self-discipline. I need to start disciplining my mind. If that is you, shall we all stand? And as we sing, I want us all to be honest before God and say, God, you help me overcome my fear. 
and you give, you've given me the keys. Help me to be disciplined enough to obey it and receive it. Shall I'll pray and we're going to sing a song after, after the prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here and we commit ourselves to you and we ask that you will empower us today, that we will have a fresh revelation of how great your power is, of how wonderful your love is. And Lord, that you, are, you can give us the strength and you can give us the discipline needed to overcome our fears. I pray that every chain will be broken today. Lord, that every chain of fear, Lord, will be broken. I pray that there be a release today because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And Lord, we declare today that we are free. We are free from fear because you said so. Because of the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. We ask this, O oh God, in your most precious name. Amen. God bless you.